So as we approach Advent now, what we're seeking to do is remember what God has done and look ahead to what God has promised he will do with the second coming of Jesus Christ. So we're not just trying to like be holiday-esque and like turn up the radio with Christmas songs and be giddy and pick up your favorite holiday drink here at Upside Down or the, the, the other place down the street that has a green logo. We're actually trying to remember something really urgent that we need and that we constantly forget. And even though we forget it, we also don't know how to really press into it and live it, live it out. Excuse me. So this week, the first week of our, our Advent series, um, the series we have called God With Us. God With Us. And we're looking at the incarnation and what it means. The incarnation and what it means. Incarnate simply means in the flesh, all right? The incarnation means God has come in human flesh to be with us. So if you want to open up in your Bibles to John chapter 1, John chapter 1, we are going to dive in. Would you stand with me as we read God's Word out of reverence for God's Word? We're going to be in John Verses uh, John 1, verses 1 through 5, and 9 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Pray with me. Father in heaven, uh, we gather here each Sunday because we believe something. We believe that by your Spirit, you actually meet with us. That as we look to Jesus Christ, entrusting ourselves to him, something radically different has happened. That we are your children that we are your people, the very body of Jesus Christ here on earth. And, and we ask you this morning, would you unpack for us with the spiritual insight that we need, the mystery of the incarnation, that God has become one of us. Would you help us to see that light is shining in the darkness where we are in these dark dark times, that we can have hope and that we are a people of hope because of the incarnation and what Christ has done. 
So help us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can take your seats. Today, our, our specific lens that we're looking at the incarnation through, there'll be a different one each of these weeks. The specific lens that we're looking at is light in darkness. That something happened where the Son of God stepped into humanity and brought light into darkness. It doesn't take much effort to realize that there is darkness in the world. Um, there is external darkness when we look out into what's going on. Um, it, just this last week, uh, a, a high school student in Michigan brought a gun to school, and four of his classmates were killed, and numerous others were injured. And it gets even darker thinking about some of the interactions that his parents had, and they should have known what was going on, and their negligence enabled what had happened. Uh, here in L.A., just yesterday... Uh, the headline in the LA Times was Brutal Brazen Crimes Shake LA. And it went through to describe some of what has been going on over the last two years coincides with the pandemic. Um, but the increase in just brazen uh, break-ins to stores and stalking of people and all sorts of things that are really, really dark. But it's not just crime out there, it's creation itself outside of us. We can see it breaking beneath our feet, right? What is COVID? COVID is nature and the brokenness and the corruption of it afflicting us. And now Omicron is in the headlines and we're told that we ought to fear and that we, we can't control it and it's coming after us. And we have these, these ways that society outside of us then interprets these realities, right? Another headline this last week read, we have all we need to stop the pandemic, but we're not doing it right. Now, maybe that like speaks a little bit to your perspective on the best approach to the pandemic. You're entitled to a kind of particular opinion, but here's, here's what it really reveals. We believe that if we just asserted ourselves enough we could control nature. So society starts to actually break apart around us because we're fractured and divided behind what we think a solution ought to be. But guess what? Friends, as much as we have gifts and science and knowledge and leadership and politics and all of these things that could be of help, really at bottom, we see that we don't have control. That chaos is a reality of the human experience in a dark world. We saw it in the last year, societally, with politics. Politics has become this thing that's not just an opinion about what might be best, but a judgment on what kind of person you are based upon what you believe and how you vote. Society reinforces this kind of darkness. We see racism that is still plaguing us as a nation, right? We just had the Ahmaud Arbery case. We had the George Floyd cases where justice was brought about to what we all could see as blatant and flagrant racism individually and systemically, but we still long to see justice go forward. It's a shock to us 
that it's still even needed. Even in my own neighborhood, uh, I walked outside the other day, and there was a huge package on the side of our apartment complex. And it was one of those like delivery bags that they use in Amazon trucks. Someone had snagged it off of the truck. It was from a few blocks away, the addresses were. Brought it to the side of our apartment building, rummaged through everything, ripped apart the boxes, took what they wanted, and left the rest. There's like a bunch of pet food left in there. Like darkness is all around us if we just have our eyes open, right? But it's not just out there. It's in here. We feel purposelessness. We feel anxiety. We feel depression. We experience anger that develops into hatred. We experience hopelessness. And the answer is not to turn a blind eye to it. The pandemic has put pressure in a way that many of us have never experienced. We're driven into isolation, so then we try and connect with each other over social media. And guess what? That makes it worse. I don't know if you know this, but Facebook knows Instagram is really bad for you, especially if you're a young woman. They have, they have research that they've done internally, and they've presented it to Mark Zuckerberg and other executives and said, one-third of people who use Instagram are harmed internally with their self-image, with their social life, by our product. But we keep scrolling and seeing these dolled up lives of others, this lifestyle that we long for that's really just a projection, right? Darkness is around us. Darkness is inside. Darkness is outside. And ultimately, both are rooted in spiritual darkness. Because spiritual darkness is the sense of blindness to see God. It's spiritual apathy to be unmoved by God. It's spiritual adultery to refuse to love God. And it's spiritual deadness to refuse to live with God. We only have two options as people, regardless of what your belief might be this morning. You might identify as a Christian, you might not, but we have two options to deal with the darkness that's around us. We can either ignore it and just live in unreality, or we can look at it, we can feel it, we can move through it, but we got to do something about it. I think one of the big reasons, especially in our context, the sunny, beautiful Los Angeles, it's so easy to just distract ourselves. There are endless experiences, there are end there's endless beauty naturally all around us. There's so many people to be fascinated with. But Advent, we need Advent because we got to remember the darkness is real. We feel it, we see it, we suffer from it, and we cannot ignore it. And the message of Advent is God is not distant and disaffected by it. He's not unaware or apathetic about it. He has dealt with darkness. He's dealt it a mortal wound 
in Jesus Christ, his incarnation, his death on the cross, and his resurrection have dealt a death blow to darkness. And he's pushing back the darkness through his people by his spirit. And we are invited to participate in that. The shining of God's light out into the world. And one day he's going to vanquish the darkness. And it's not even going to be here anymore. And we're going to be with him face to face. And heaven and earth will finally be reunited. It's not just about Jesus being born as a little baby and us going, oh, that's great. And he's like this warrior who goes to the cross and the cross is the only thing that matters. The incarnation is God declaring war on the brokenness of the world and saying, I am going to do something about it. And if we would see it, it's beauty, it's power, we'll be able to make it through the darkness. And we'll be able to love people sacrificially as we were created to. That's my hope today, that we would see Jesus Christ, his mission into the world, being born as a little baby, uniting God and man together, gives us an alternative to just ignoring the darkness, all right? So, we see the world is dark. And in John 1 we are pointed to this darkness and we're invited to see the dark until you long for the light. Hopefully right now, after the last 10 minutes or so, we start to long for the light. Like, where's, would, God, yes, help us. Shine your beauty, shine your love, shine your goodness into this darkness so we can know we can make it through. That's why we look at the darkness that we would actually long for it. And that's what Advent is about, waiting. But we won't wait for anything if we don't long for anything, right? Here's, here's my simple invitation today. See the dark until you long for the light, internally, externally, spiritually, because darkness has an expiration date. Darkness has an expiration date. We see this in our text. Let's look back at John 1 now. John 1, there are a couple of, of chunks in this text that show us darkness has an expiration date. The first reason is that darkness is alien. The first two verses. Look with me again. In the beginning, this is hearkening back to pre-creation, before anything existed. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. John is the author who penned this. He was a follower of Jesus. And throughout the Gospels, we learn that he was one that, that Jesus deeply loved. And John is looking back into creation. And he's telling us Jesus didn't come out of nowhere. Jesus was not just a man who was born, who was particularly blessed by God, who like ascended into this spiritual mountain and became our Savior. Jesus is the eternal word of God, the very son of God, the one true unique son of God that has existed with God the Father in eternity past. Here he's identified as the word. The word was God and the word was with God. He was in the beginning. No darkness. 
But then in verses 3 through 4, we see the creation that he made. All things were made through him, that is the word. Did you know Jesus didn't show up on the scene born as a baby? That wasn't his first involvement with creation. Sometimes we think like God created and Jesus was up there in glory. And then he's like, oh no, I need to go down there and save everybody. Jesus was the very means through which you and I were created. And Colossians 1 tell us something even more extravagant. That the Son of God actively upholds all creation with the word of his power. All things were made through the Son, through the word in this particular passage. And without him, the word, was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now we see light. It enters the passage. Verses 3 and 4 paint us a picture of God speaking creation into existence through the word. And creation, before sin and darkness entered in, was a place of life and light. Darkness was alien. Darkness, though, comes into play in the very next verse. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I want you to notice something in these, these verses. Notice that from verse 1 to 4, the word was is used seven or eight times. It's looking back. It's before the darkness entered in. The word was God and was with God. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light, now in verse 5, shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now we're in our world, our lived world. Sin has entered into the picture. Now, here's a question. What, like, what, what is darkness? How would you define darkness? Like the concept or the actual thing? I don't know. What, what, is, what is darkness? All right, I heard absence of light. Anything else? Things not being as they were intended. Good, good. <laughs> dark is dark. Wow, love it when we use the word to define it. <laughs> so darkness, think about it conceptually. Darkness is the absence of light. Darkness is not a thing in and of itself. It's the absence of a good thing. In the word was life, and the life was the light of men. There's this picture that John is painting for us to say, that eternal word that is God through whom everything was created, our connection to him was life. And his life poured into our world and was light. Now we're going to get a little theological here, okay? Well, this is all theological, but we're going to get, um, you know, I'll just leave it at that. We've got to think a little deeply about it. We're going to think a little deeply. When God created humanity in the world, first parents, Adam and Eve, he entrusted to them a kind of authority. He said, you are going to be stewards and cultivators of my creation. 
and their relational connection to God was the conduit by which his light shined into the world. So Adam and Eve, before the Father, before the Word, before the Spirit, connected into the world as overseers, as caretakers, as cultivators in the world. And their facing of God was them receiving life and the life of God, beauty, goodness, all of these things poured through them out into the world as light, the light of men. But then darkness was not just something added into the picture. It was them turning away from God himself, rejecting the life that they had in him and believing they could have life on their own. And so in the same way that I could look at the sun and you see it radiate off of my face, but then I turn away and a shadow comes over. That's what brought darkness into the world. That's why spiritual darkness is at the root of all other darkness in the world. We in sin, sin is us turning away from the life freely given us in God. That's what John's saying here. Darkness is absence. It is a lack of the life. And verse 5 is a post-sin world where darkness is here, but there's still hope. There is still hope. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So, what do we do? Darkness is our lived reality right now. We need to see it, but we need to do something with it because simply seeing it and knowing about it is not enough. Um, most of us really dislike negative emotions and experiences. Most of us feel pain, we feel sorrow, and we try and avert ourselves. And my goodness, our world has enough things to offer us to, to empower us to ignore it, right? So we, we go and we binge Netflix. We go and we have a new experience or there's a concert or there's something that we can distract ourselves with or we use substances or we control food or we do something that can give us this sense of coping with our sorrow. But there, there won't be a recovery of real full living unless we can look at darkness, see it, engage it, and move through it. So what I want us to actually do, I want us to actually take up a little bit of an exercise that is thoroughly biblical called lament. Lament is what we do when we stand in between pain in our lived experience, corporately, individually, and promise. We see here Sin and darkness entered into the world, but verse 5 holds out hope and says the light, or the darkness has not overcome it. The light was still in the world. If you're like me, actually engaging with sorrow does not come easily, um, and lament teaches us to be able to actually engage with it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to step out on a limb and try and actually pray together lament. I gave you plenty of content to lament at the outset. 
societal darkness, internal darkness, spiritual darkness. But the invitation of seeing the darkness and lamenting it is to cultivate hope and longing that it's not going to win. It is thoroughly unnatural for darkness to be here. And we believe that in Jesus, the darkness has not overcome the light. So here's three simple components of a lament, all right? We address God, we give him our complaint, we tell him our pain, our sorrow, and we express trust or promise. Directed at God, give him our complaint, and express trust or promise. Uh, Sorry, express trust or praise. I'm going to remind you why this is important. Lament is a lived-out expression. It's a practice that stands in the gap between pain and promise. We're in a moment where there's this big thing going on in the world called deconstruction. You may have heard of this. Deconstruction is what you do when you cannot lament to get to the promise and you got to do something else with your pain. Lament is the right response to pain that still looks to the truth. And so lament is something I would encourage you to do, whether it's you got to write stuff out and engage the pain of the darkness that you have in your life or that you see and and mourn around you, but we can't just ignore it. So we see that darkness has an expiration date, and lament is a declaration of hope. And the reason that we have hope is because the light has shined into the darkness. Look with me at verse 9. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. That's the anticipation piece. Throughout the whole Old Testament, God had promised the people of Israel, I'm sending a Savior, I'm sending the Christ, I'm sending a Messiah, I'm sending a righteous king, I'm sending a prophet, who will speak to you my truth. I'm sending a priest who can stand between us. That was the promise of light coming into the world. But lest we mistake that there was no light in the world, he says in verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. So God is still standing there inviting us to himself, but as we have turned away from him in sin, We cannot see him on our own. He's shining into the world, but we're not being conductors of his light into the world. Does that make sense? And just how far did we fall away from the light? In verse 11, he came to his own, that being the people of Israel, God's promised people, and his own people did not receive him. But to whoever did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John starkly paints a picture that light has come into the world through the eternal Son taking on human flesh, as Jesus Christ, 
And now Jesus Christ is God going like this, all right? You see the analogy of God shining his light into the world, calling us back to himself, taking Israel and them still walking away from him, not bringing, being conduits for his light. Jesus Christ is God coming all the way around to get our attention and to embody his glory in a way that is right in front of us. So now you need not just ignore the light, you need to spurn and reject the light. In Jesus, our spiritual blindness is no longer our only excuse. We had a physical embodiment of God. God had broken into human flesh and said, I'm here. We often think, if you've been in the church for a long time, we often think that, that the gospel centers around, and it does in many ways, the cross and resurrection of Jesus and we don't have a very thorough depth of knowledge when it comes to the incarnation. But God taking on human flesh as a little baby, I mean, just even think about that. The son says, I hate darkness too. I will take on human flesh and become one of them. And as a helpless little child entrusts himself to the care of God, and like you read, you read the Gospels and you see God intervening and protecting as the darkness seems to see, looks to consume Jesus as a baby. Visions are given to Joseph, his, his earthly father. It's confusing to call him his earthly father. His adoptive father. He's conceived by the Holy Spirit. But in the incarnation, a new option has been given to humanity that all of us are invited into. In the flesh, Jesus Christ joined God and man together so that we would no longer need to get back where we could never get into perfect spiritual communion with God. But that through Jesus, we have a beacon, an embodied beacon of God's light shining into the world. And, and the question for every one of us in this room you might, you might name yourself a Christian. Labels mean very little when it comes to Jesus. We saw his own people rejected him. Ask yourself simply this. Are you looking to the light? When you see Jesus, what wells up in you? Is it just apathy? And moving on, you just go through rhythms, coming to church. You might even read the Bible every day, but you feel nothing. You feel no affection well up within you, no gratitude. And I'm not talking about seasons where we just feel that cloud hang over us, but we're holding out hope. At bottom, have you seen the glory of Jesus Christ? Have you felt his love for you? And if you're in one of those seasons where the cloud is hanging over you, I want to encourage you. Jesus is never far from any who are his. But if we will not look to him and throw the label Christian on us, we might still be in darkness. 
And so Advent begins with a question. Have we ever seen the light? Because if we have seen him, and if we could see, what does it mean to see him? All right, let's get real practical. Here John says, to whoever, to all who did receive him, verse 12, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. There's a lot of assumption in culture that just by saying you believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world, it makes you a Christian. But to believe in someone's name in the original language is to believe and stand with everything about them and who they are. It's like the family name. You're entering into that reality. You're entrusting your very sense of self to Jesus. So if you don't see the light right now, if you're not moved spiritually by his love and mercy, but you say, I have nowhere else to go, I'm sticking it out with Jesus. As much as it might feel you are in darkness, the light is shining into your heart. Keep going. Advent is an invitation to keep going and to keep waiting and to keep persevering. And we need to be a people who allow for waiting in the midst of confusion and darkness and pointing each other to the light. Because look at the glory of this promise. Whoever did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave the right to become children of God. If you have entrusted yourself to Jesus, if you have looked to the light and turned your eyes from darkness and said, I see you, I long for you, I entrust myself to you, Jesus gives you something that no one can take away. The right the authority, if I can use that word, to say, God, I'm your child. You are my father. We may think of adoption as a core principle of being a child in God's family, and that is so true, and it is so wondrous. But there's another truth to being a child of God. That is that he is making you to become more and more like his family name. God does not want to just shine light into your heart so that you can get warm fuzzies inside and endure through the darkness of life. God wants to make you a meaningful conduit and reflector of his light out into the world. That we could actually be people who look different. That we could actually be people who radiate warmth and truth and clarity and hopefulness and peace. To be a child is to be deeply loved but it's also to be shaped and formed into the maturity of adulthood. And we're young as a church. If we just commit ourselves to saying, I want to receive your grace, but I want you to shape me, that you could use me in my life. Imagine what could happen with the amount of years that we have ahead of us, with the place that we find ourselves in, the people who are going to come here in the future, the community of light that we could become. Being a part of a church isn't just attending a spiritual experience. It's about being the embassy of the kingdom of God here on earth, and it's a kingdom of light and darkness. 
And if you're a child taking the love of God, please, please, please don't stop there. Commit yourself to being formed into the life of God. That's what discipleship is. It's being formed to become one who is like our big brother Jesus, full of hope and peace and joy and self-sacrificing love. Advent calls us in our waiting to be committed and resolved to looking to Jesus in our hope. And if I can be really, um, one of the most discouraging things to me is walking alongside of someone who's, who's just in a season where darkness really, really has set in and confusion is here. And, and something that always concerns me is when we just tap out is when we assume that God is the one who needs to just overpower us with light and say, he loved me, he adopted me, it had nothing to do with me, so he's got to just fix everything in my life. When being a child has given us a right to take hold of, and sometimes in the darkness and the longing and the sorrow, there's a part of us taking a hold of the right that we have to approach God and say humbly but confidently, God, I will not let you go. Help me in this darkness. Help me in my unbelief. Help me in my pain. Help me in my sorrow. God will never turn away one of his children coming to him like that. And in verse 14, we see the promise held out to us in the glorious reality of this verse. I would encourage you, memorize this passage of Scripture. Verse 14 of John 1, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's that. Eternal word, taking on human flesh, being born of a woman as a little baby and growing up as a God worshiper, faithful and true. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we can see in Jesus Christ, glory. Glory. The radiance and the splendor of who God is. Glory is a kind of spiritual light that communicates to us in ways that maybe we can't see with our physical eyes, but we see with the eyes of our hearts. Grace and truth. Grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Jesus is someone you need to know. He's not harsh with any who humbly come to him. He's full of grace. Mercy pours out of him. But he's also full of truth. He will not lie to you. He won't let you live in your own little illusions. That's the Jesus that we look to. That's the one that we wait for in this season as light shines in darkness. I want to give us an encouragement today.
two practices, all right? We're growing in this kind of lived uh, liturgy, and I want to give you two suggestions for how you can press into Advent. The first one is, I didn't come up with this, this is a really great book um, called The Common Rule, and he writes about like making your faith a lived reality through habits and practices. Um, I believe his name is Justin Early, and uh, he writes about Advent, and he says this, to cultivate a sense of waiting throughout Advent, that means until Christmas, try this, don't pull out your phone while you're waiting. You're waiting in the grocery store line. What is the first thing? Man, the first thing I do is go like this. You're sitting at a red light. It's got to be a red light. Nothing while driving. You start engaging with your phone on the mount. You're waiting for whatever. Our life is filled with waiting already. It's an opportunity to say, I'm not going to direct my physical eyes toward my phone. And in the jerk of that, that just says like, oh yeah, I'm not supposed to do that. I get to look with my spiritual eyes to the real light. Jesus, show me your light today. Help me. First suggestion, don't pull out your phone while you're waiting. The second suggestion, look to be the light of God to somebody else. Once a week, this week, you can do that. Because here's the thing. In the promise of Jesus as our light, the light that shines to us in Jesus can shine through us by the Spirit. Okay? So in the darkness, as you see darkness in the life of someone else, ask the Holy Spirit how you can love them, how you can be hope to them, and point to the one to whom you have, through whom you have your hope. All right? So, Jesus is the light in darkness. We lament in the darkness through our pain because we look to the promise that his light will shine through us and one day will bring all things together in heaven and on earth and the darkness will be gone forever. Amen? Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, would you make this more true of us? Please do not let this Advent season be simply going through religious motions. We see darkness all around us. We need you to shine light into our hearts by your Spirit. And would you shine through us in this season? Help us to be light in the midst of our conversations. Help us to be light in the midst of conflict. Help us to be light in the midst of needs. Help us to be light as peacemakers in this world. And for anyone who is here who is, who is longing, maybe they're even in a season where the, the cloud of darkness is resting over them. They've been waiting a long time. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, in this gathering, would you help them glimpse the glory of your light? Uphold us, sustain us, Make us a church community that is bursting with light in the darkness externally, the darkness people experience internally, and ultimately the darkness spiritually in our city. And we pray that revival would come to this city. We trust you, Lord, in Jesus' name.